We are back with the World of CONCACAF podcast. We're here to talk about the first and the second round of CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, and we'll take you to the Bahamas to tell you more about soccer in the islands. Hello and welcome to the World of CONCACAF podcast. I am Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Slate. And I'm Donald Wine. And thank you for being patient. Uh, we are back with another episode. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in to our special bonus edition for the CONCACAF Nations League finals. Uh, the epic conclusion of the greatest tournament on the face of the earth. Uh, but we've got a lot to get to today. So we're going to get right we're- into it. Go ahead. Real quick, Eric, I, I just want to let the people know the reason why we are so late in coming out with an episode is because you guys can't see it, but obviously we can see each other. We just wanted to wait until our Anguilla jerseys came in. So uh, I'm wearing mine. We have Slape in his uh, windbreaker. Eric said it's too hot to wear his hoodie. So people out there, let him slide on that. But well, we got I, him, finally. I mean, I'm not here to drag stimulus, but they messed up my order. So my jersey... Uh, I'm waiting for a replacement on that. I would be rocking the jersey, that hot third jersey, the teal with the dolphins on it. Can't wait mm-hmm. to get that back in. But yeah, Stimulus did some great work on that. But yeah, we've got two rounds of World Cup qualifying to wrap up. So we're going to go right to scoreboard watch and review the first round of World Cup qualifying. Uh, we'll go group by group and kind of talk about how each of them wrapped up. Uh, starting with the first round, uh, which concluded with uh, two match days here in June. Uh, group A, El Salvador topped the group uh, with 10 points, edging out Montserrat and Antigua and Barbuda. We did get some drama, some relative drama in the final match day uh, as Montserrat had an opportunity to gain some goal difference and possibly have a tiebreaker with El Salvador. Uh, but could not get enough goals. Guys, any thoughts on Group A? I mean, I think the biggest shame is that those hot Montserrat jerseys aren't going to be in the next round of World Cup qualifying. Um, but no, I mean, that's, that's good, good for them that they've been able to, you know, make some noise and, you know, progress as a, as a team and as a nation. And uh, we look forward to seeing them in, uh, in Nations League. Yeah, they, you know, during Nations League, they came just close to, you know, getting out of League B and qualifying for, league a this time around in world cup qualifying they just missed getting to the second round of qualifying where you know anything could happen you know you would think that they'd be up against the gun but anything could have happened in that second round so they're right there and it's it's great to see them progress from one of the minnows to one of the teams that are kind of middle of the pack in Concacaf. yeah and el salvador of course taking care of business they were the favorite uh essentially the top seed in that group uh, they get through with three wins and a draw and uh, plus 12 goal difference. So El Salvador moves on. On to Group B, Canada. The Canucks get business done. 
They win all four of their games, including a final day defeat of Suriname. Uh, Suriname finishing with three wins and one loss at nine points. Uh, reactions to Group B? Uh, for me, it's Suriname was close, but they just couldn't get past Canada. Obviously, Canada, we you know expected Canada are you know little neighbors to the north. Uh, we expected them to be uh, to go through with ease, but uh, Suriname gave a run for his money, and so that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, those plucky upstarts from Canada, they uh, found a way to get through uh, to that second round. Jonathan, you uh, have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, good to see our small neighbor f- to the north uh, making it in. You know, top of the group, uh, Suriname you know, took them close, but just couldn't get over that final hur- hurdle. Would have liked to have seen any of these island nations make it over our small neighbor to the north, but Canada, clearly the class of the group, plus 26 goal difference. I think that'll get it done uh, over the course of four games. Uh, on to Group C. Group C, probably the most dramatic uh, finish of all the groups. Uh, Curacao moving on to the second round, uh, edging out Guatemala on goals scored tiebreaker after Curacao uh, was able to get a 0-0 draw with Guatemala on the final match day. Uh, thoughts on Group C? I mean, not not a whole lot. I mean, it, it kind of ended about how we thought. We I think we thought about halfway through the through the group that Curacao was going to be the team that made it through. Uh, Guatemala may have been a slight favorite. I think the big takeaway here is that this more than likely uh, Rubio Rubin, who had been considering playing for Guatemala um, and had even trained with him. Um, more, I would say more than likely is not going to file that one-time switch uh, just because this is they're not going to be in that final round of World Cup qualifying. Yeah, and you know, hats off to Curacao. They they did what they had to do. They showed that they are one of the better teams in Concacaf. And you know, Guatemala yet, like Slape said, was probably a slight, you know, a slight favorite in this group. It was just a toss-up. But Curacao showed why. Uh, they need to be reckoned with, and they need to be re- need to be respected in this in this division. So, uh, good good on them to get out of the round. Yeah, I mean, for Guatemala, it's it's a tough tough pill to swallow. They go unbeaten in their four games. They go three wins, one draw. Goal difference tied with Curacao plus fourteen. I mean, Guatemala did not give up a goal, and they're not getting through. Curacao just getting that one goal scored advantage and especially with the format of this round Curacao got to play Guatemala at home if there's a return leg or if that game gets played in Guatemala City it's It's different it's much different so really tough draw for them better luck in four years Guatemala Uh, on to Group D Group D Panama uh Pretty comfortably gets through. Um, in the second to last match day, uh, they got a 13-0 win over our boys Anguilla. Um, that goal difference was more than enough to secure any tiebreaker. Uh, but on the final match day against Dominican Republic, Dominicans needed to win, and Panama got a 3-0 win uh, at Estadio Nacional Rod Carew in Panama City. So anytime you see a CONCACAF team win a big game in a baseball stadium, you, you got to appreciate it. Yeah, it, it was expected. Uh, you know, again, DR gave them a run for their money. They they tried to keep themselves in it as long as possible. But P- 
Panama was definitely the class of that group, and it was expected that they were going to get out. Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest takeaway is I wanted to see Anguilla score a goal, and mm-hmm. our, our friends were not able nor not able to. Yeah. Also do want to give a shout-out to Barbados. Barbados, one win, two draws, and one loss. Um, even goal difference for a nation of that size. It's a pretty good performance. They only lost to Panama 1-0, um, but in this June window, they got two results. Um, so really good for that program uh, moving forward. On to Group E. Uh, came down to Haiti against Nicaragua. Um, as we talked in that Curacao-Guatemala game, big advantage to Haiti. Uh, they got to play Nicaragua at home in Port-au-Prince, and they get the 1-0 victory uh, to move on. Thoughts on this group? I mean, I think this one I, this one in Group D are probably the two that went you know, about the way I thought they would be. I mean, the big takeaway, of course, is uh, St. Lucia pulling out before the tournament even started. So, you know, only playing with four teams in that group. But, I mean, I, not really any other big takeaways um, from that other than, you know, going about how we expected. Yeah, I, I think Haiti was supposed to get out of this group, and they did. They did what needed to be done. Uh, it, shout out to all these other teams, right? It, not just in this group, but all the groups that kind of made it where this last match day of round one was interesting in just about every single group, except for this one we're about to talk about. There was something to be played for and teams giving, you know, giving it all they could to try and make it out of this group. It's unfortunate that only one of these teams did. I think that's something that obviously we'll, we'll talk about down the line with regard to format, but uh, it was definitely great to watch all this soccer uh, the last match day, because it was really entertaining. And getting to Group F, the final group, not so much drama in the final day, but the biggest shock result. So Trinidad and Tobago, uh, the team that knocks out the mighty United States in the last cycle, they karma comes back around uh, on June fifth. Uh, the Bahamas getting a nil-nil draw with Trinidad and Tobago, locking up the group for St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, and St. Kitts and Nevis moves on uh, in the final match day. Trinidad and Tobago, the Soka Warriors were able to get a 2-0 win, but that did not mean anything. Trin- uh, St. Kitts and Nevis moves on with nine points, three wins in the one loss, and Trinidad and Tobago out in the first round of qualifying. What are our thoughts other than ha-ha-ha? I don't even want to say ha-ha-ha. I'm just going to say that's why they play the games. You have to win the with the teams in front of you. This is what we say uh, when we talk to our American friends about the United States, like you have to play the games in front of you. You have to beat the teams that are across from you. And if you don't, you could be going home four years ago. The United States had to face Trinidad and they couldn't get the win. They went home. Trinidad had to get a draw against the Bahamas and they're going home. So that's how you do it. And shout out to St. Kitts and Nevis because they did what needed to be done. The only reason they really lost against Trinidad is because they rested everybody because they knew they had two more games and they knew that that game really didn't count. So, but shout out to them. They got the job done. Yeah. And, and we saw Puerto Rico make some, make some, you know, advances and some, I mean, you know, finishing, you know, on seven points, only two points off the top, which I think is a big improvement for them. Um, I'm really interested to see how that national team builds. I mean, I know they brought Dave Sarakin in for, you know, really for qualifying, but do they keep him around? Is he able to continue to build this program? Because, I mean, I think that'll be, you know, really interesting to see how that 
you know, I'm just super excited, you know, kind of talking about all of this as a whole is we saw some some national teams make some some jumps up um, with their level in, in co- competition. And I'm just I'm really looking forward to Nations League and, and seeing these teams um, be back into this and be back into qualifying um, and seeing how they progress. Yeah, so St. Kitts and Nevis gets through to the next round. Um, but yes, shout out to the Bahamas getting the one result, uh, their one point of the round, finishing on one draw and three losses and zero goals scored, but being the team that locks up the group for St. Kitts and Nevis. So since the Bahamas seem to be the story of this first round and getting this shock result, we're going to talk about the Bahamas today. So coming up after this, we're going to have our CONCACAF laser focus, focusing on the Bahamas. It is time for our CONCACAF laser focus. And today we're talking about the Bahamas. Gentlemen, have we been to the Bahamas? I have. I have as well. Okay, so I'm the only one that hasn't. So I'm going to leave this to you to tell me about the Bahamas. So enlighten me. What What about it? So I'll start off a little bit of history. And then I, I think I've the one that has spent the least amount of time in the Bahamas. It was only on a, on a one stop on a cruise ship. But I know, Donald, you have been there. Uh, several times, but um, so the Bahamas, it is an archipelagic state. So there's about 700 islands that make up uh, the Bahamas. The main island is New Providence um, and the capital of of that is Nassau. So um, probably if, if anyone that's listening has you know made a stop on a cruise ship, they've more than likely made a stop in Nassau. They've seen Atlantis, um, but uh, it has a long storied history of, you know, being both a, a settlement of, you know, the Spanish and the English, but they gained their independence as an independent nation in 1973 when they when they joined both the International Monetary Fund and uh, the United Nations. Um, the official languages there, English, you know, unitary two party system. It, it's it's a great country, um, you know, that has in the past, you know, since being an independent nation has only you know, grown um, even more. So Donald, like, what's the vibe like there? Oh, it's so peaceful, relaxing. Everyone there is super friendly. Uh, not only have I been there on several cruises to Nassau, but I've also been to Freeport. And Freeport is just another kind of relaxing, you know, area. It's, it's much quieter than Nassau would be. Nassau has a lot of glitz as well. You know, Nassau has Atlantis, which is, you know, one of these major, you know, resort hotels that looks like, a castle that you'd see in Aquaman or something like that. But uh, it, it, it's really massive and is, it's very, very beautiful. They have you know bridges and a nice town uh, where you can kind of go through, do some shopping, do some drinking, have a great time. Uh, but it's all vibes there. It's, it's all great vibes there. There's no uh, people there do go there for some banking. Um, it's one of the banking 
not necessarily banking capital of the Caribbean, but one of them, uh, if you, you know, throw in the Caribbean islands, maybe, uh, but or, I'm sorry, the, the Cayman islands, but the Bahamas is just one of those places where, you know, it's, everyone's just relaxed. It's always the first stop or the last stop if you're on a cruise. So everyone is there to have a great time uh, that are, that are tourists and all the, and all the residents there are so welcoming and friendly. So uh, if you have not been to the Bahamas, uh, you know, I, when I lived in Miami, it, it's, you know, a 90 minute cruise to Freeport from Miami, Fort Lauderdale. So uh, it's very easy to get to the Bahamas. If you're going on a cruise, looking to just go for a weekend that is easy to fly down there uh, from Miami or from anywhere on the East coast. So highly recommend you check it out. Jonathan, was there anything specifically that you liked? Yeah. There? I mean, I just, the, the beaches and, and getting out in the water, we did some, some snorkeling when we were there and it's just, you know, just some of the most clear, you know, beautiful, like, you know, reefs and just the, the nature within um, the water ecosystem. But um, you know, I, I, would definitely say I wish I would have had a chance to spend more time there. Um, so as Donald said, it's a short flight in from, in from, from, you know, the East coast. And so I would definitely say hit that up and uh, don't just, don't just make it a stop on a cruise ship. Agreed. Well, at some point I'm going to have to get out there because obviously I'm missing out. So that's a little bit about the Bahamas. Let's talk about soccer in the Bahamas. Uh, soccer in the Bahamas is run by the Bahamas football association which was founded in 1967, um, affiliated with FIFA in 1968, headquarters in Nassau. You know, the basics. Uh, the Bahamas were host of the first men's senior FIFA tournament to be staged in the Caribbean, uh, which was the 2017 FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup. And beach soccer is pretty big in the Bahamas. Um, obviously, if you got a lot of beaches, you got a lot of places to play. Uh, so it's a big thing down there. Uh, the big men's league there is the BFA Senior League. Uh, that league is the result of a merger. There was the Grand Bahama Football League and the New Providence Football League. Um, so they merged, and they've got one one central league um, as far as men's soccer goes. Uh, their 2020 season had been suspended due to the pandemic. Uh, I don't, I couldn't find any record. I don't know if they've restarted yet. Um, because of COVID. Now, the one historical thing I do want to point out as far as the Federation goes is that back in 2011, in one of the many FIFA scandals that has gripped the world, uh, Bahamas were the whistleblowers. Uh, in May 2011, Anton Seeley, the president of the Bahamas FA, was attending an event in the run up to the FIFA Congress in Zurich. And because he was in Zurich, he was unable to attend a meeting in Port of Spain, Trinidad, which had been organized by AFC president and FIFA presidential candidate Mohammed bin Hammam and CONCACAF president, FIFA vice president, all around terrible dude, Jack Warner, uh, had set up this meeting. Jack so, Warner sucks. Listen, that's, hey. that's Donald's thing. That's Donald's. No, 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 thing. no. Well, I mean, to, to piggyback off of that. Jack Warner sucks, as we all know. Uh, so because the FA president was not able to go to that, the vice president, now general secretary, Fred Lund, attended that meeting. And at that meeting, he was handed a brown envelope with the word Bahamas on it. And inside the envelope was $40,000 in U.S. dollars. Uh, he believed it to be a bribe 
in a cash for votes scandal um, funded by Bin Hamam, who is running for FIFA president. Uh, and Lund reported that incident to Sealy, who in turn reported it to our good friend Chuck Blazer. Um, he took a photograph. That photograph got out. This is what really set off that entire FIFA scandal that led to um, Jack Warner uh, getting suspended uh, by FIFA. So Bahamas clearly has a big place in the world of football. Um, sorry, soccer. I punching myself in the arm for that. Uh, <laughs> Donald, do you have any info on the Bahamas women's football team? Football. Yeah, so, football again. Yeah. <laughs> Go so ahead. The, well, the thing about the women's national team, the Baja girls, if you will, is that they really don't have any history. Uh, they were founded in 2000. They have played only six games in their history and they have lost them all. Their most recent match you have to go all the way back to 2002 when they were involved in qualifying for the 2003 Women's World Cup. They played three matches and lost them all to Haiti, the Dominican Republic, and St. Lucia by a combined score of 19 to 1. That's not good. That's and they not have not great. entered any qualification for any tournament since then. So they're not ranked by FIFA. They've never qualified for any tournament. They do have a great beach. Uh, I wouldn't say great, but they have a robust uh, beach South, uh, soccer team, uh, their women's team, but um, they really concentrate on that. We're hoping that they get their program on the grass back uh, with World Cup qualifying next year, whenever that occurs. And then obviously the Women's Nations League that will begin in 2023. But this is obviously one of those situations where they have put no money into the program and thus there really isn't a program at this point. A key positive to the creation of the co-greatest competition in world sport, the Women's CONCACAF Nations League. Looking, for, looking forward to that. So on the men's national team, we talked about how uh, World Cup qualifying ended. They got eliminated in the first round for the 2022 uh, World Cup. Uh, they've never qualified for the World Cup. Uh, they've never qualified for the Gold Cup. They've never qualified for the Caribbean Cup. They... The men's national team in Bahamas has, you know, struggled performance-wise. Um, they actually withdrew from the 2014 World Cup qualification in the second round uh, back in 2011 because they couldn't host any games because they were working on their stadium, uh, Thomas Robinson Stadium in Nassau. Um, they did, however, going back to the greatest competition on the face of the planet, uh, finish atop their League C group and Nations League. So they're being promoted to League B for the next round of the competition. Uh, their head coach is Nesley Jean. Uh, he played for the Bahamas national team from 2004 to 2018. Uh, he had 14 caps, six goals. Uh, he actually scored in his last match, which was a 1-1 draw with Anguilla, tying it all back around. Anguilla in uh, November 2018 as part of Nations League qualification. His six goals are second all-time uh, behind Leslie St. Fleur, uh, their top player, a 32-year-old forward from Nassau. He's got 22 caps dating back to 2006, and he's got 10 goals, which is the most in Bahamas history. Uh, he's playing locally now, spent parts of eight seasons with Jamaica's Montego Bay United, who you may be familiar with through CONCACAF uh, Champions League. Uh, he also played one season, the 2010 season, with Milltown FC of the Canadian Soccer League, which was the only season they played in that league. And 
just foreshadowing the Canadian soccer league is bonkers. Uh, that whole history. And I look forward to go, going deeper into that whenever we get to Canada in our laser focus. Uh, most importantly with the Bahamas, they unveiled new kits back in March. Uh, they are supplied by Hummel. One kit is aquamarine. The other one is gold. The color is their flag. It even looks like the flag. They got a black triangle on the shoulder, sash down the front. They're just generally hot. Uh, thoughts on their kits? Yes. Uh, yeah. This is directed mainly at Hummel. Um, sponsor us, by the way. Um, but also, you can send, you can DM us. You know, at the end, we give our, our social media. And you can DM us. And you can send us copies of these jerseys so that we can, you know, wear them like we do these Anguilla ones. We'll wear those with pride. Like, drink Kylie and everything. Like, we'll be ready to go. Hit just us up on WhatsApp. Us and, and hook us up. Yeah, hit us up on WhatsApp. At Podcast, yeah. This this goes for any DMs. this goes for any jersey manufacturer. Um, we'll wear your shit. Yes, especially if it's hot. Yes, but I I, 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 I know hot. this is this may be a bit of a digression, real quick. But uh, is Concacaf not, not the region that has the hottest jerseys as a whole? I, I mean, just generally- I would say. Okay, so so the top end, yes, elite like Anguilla, elite, elite. Um, they're Bermudas, Bermudas are hot, Bermudas, Montserrat. I mean, Trinidad and Tobago's new ones, really yeah, nice with Bowl now. Yeah, there's a lot I mean, of teams that are stepping their game up lately. Yeah. Now, I, I will say this Africa has got some great ones, they do Asia have some great ones. has got some great ones, especially the like lesser teams like, like Bhutan and stuff like that. I, they have there's some there's some teams out there that's got some fire, but Concacaf teams have seen that fire is good, fire is wise, and they are they are walking towards it and and they're producing a lot of heat for the summer. Concacaf is definitely on their way up in kits. All right, so that wraps us up on the Bahamas on our laser focus. Uh, next, we're just gonna go back to scoreboard watch uh, to talk about the World Cup qualification. Um, the second round. This is part two. So we went through our first round winners. Um, we had El Salvador in Group A, Canada in Group B, Curacao Group C, Panama Group D, Haiti Group E, St. Kitts and Nevis Group F. So the second round, two legs, uh, home and away, or home and home, however you prefer the nomenclature there. Um, Two legs, aggregate, one team moves on, the other team goes home. So we'll go through each of these ties and uh, review them. So first off, let's go with the Group A winner, El Salvador. Group F winner, St. Kitts and Nevis. El Salvador advances 6-0 on aggregate uh, after a 2-0 win in in, uh, El Salvador following a... 4-0 4-0 win in Basseterre, St. Kitts, and Nevis. Just breaking my heart. That's all I can say. That that, that round of uh, that round of qualifying just 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 broke my heart. At first leg, mm. just you you can't. It, it was demoralizing, and I, I know it was because they. I mean, they they gave it a good effort in the second leg, but 
what that first leg you just couldn't come back from that 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 was that was that was when it was written in stone yeah and we had posted our predictions on twitter for the game we all thought st kitts and nevis we thought sugar boys were going to get that done um they did not <laughs> um el salvador was able to score three minutes in 27 minutes in it was already 3-0 and with that many away goals it's hard to come back the one thing i do want to talk about is in that second leg el salvador with a 2-0 win oh my lord el salvador's finishing was terrible awful just absolutely awful like they flat out dominated that game like it was not a close contest at all shots in that game St. Kitts and Nevis had six shots, three on target. El Salvador had 36 shots. <laughs> 13 on target, 75% possession. They dominated the game, and they scored two. Yes, two as in one plus one goals. I mean, they didn't need more than that, but go ahead. Let me tell you about momentum real quick. Let's go back to that first leg. You mentioned that El Salvador scored like three minutes in. like. 45 seconds before that, like right basically off of the opening rip, St. Kitts and Nevis almost scored. They were inches away from making it 1-0 after like 87 seconds. They basically just missed the ball. And then on the ensuing ball going back down the field, El Salvador scores. And then they score again and again. And they, you could just see that momentum just, just the air just got sucked out of, out of that team immediately because for you know when you see that kind of swing it's hard to come back from that and you could tell right after that they're like they pressed a little bit more and then they got they had the second goal they gave up like you know minutes after that and it, it was all downhill from there from for for El Salvador yeah St. Kitts and Nevis did have a chance at the end of that first leg to get a goal and I think that would have been huge um it, at least to give them some optimism going into that second leg but Nope, nothing to speak for. And uh, El Salvador moves on to the final round. On to our next matchup. We've got Haiti and Canada. Haiti, the group E winner versus Canada, the group B winner. Uh, Canada advances 4-0 on aggregate, uh, getting a 1-0 victory on a Kyle Laren goal in uh, Port-au-Prince. And... Canada getting a 3-0 result in the return leg uh, hosted in scenic Bridgeview, suburban Chicago um, to move on to the next round. Uh, Thoughts on Haiti and Canada? One of the one of the worst the worst own goals you will ever see came in that second leg. Oh man. I'm just going to leave it it at that. If you haven't seen the video that that was not top 10 it might be not top 10 a year in sports center. It was awful. And, and it, it was a happened in slow motion. And it oh, happened yeah. in mo- it was it was it wasn't a single mistake. It was a um catalog of um it was just a calamitous set of events that led to that. Well, it should be noted that the keeper there, uh Josu Duverger, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um was only playing because Haiti's starting goalie wasn't able to make the trip because of a paperwork fiasco. 
So they're playing their backup goalie. By the way, Duverger from Montreal, born in Montreal, uh, and lets in that. I don't think howler is appropriate enough of a term to describe that mess up, you know? That's Blunder. an own goal. I wouldn't even call that yeah. a howler. Like a howler, at least someone took a shot. Like that was a pass back that he flubbed, then flubbed again. <laughs> yeah, then he flubbed, flubbed the third time. <laughs> he flubbed multiple times. <laughs> but yeah, really unfortunate for Haiti that they had to go into that second leg. They lost four players uh, who would have been starters uh, for that second leg just because like, there was a paperwork uh, mistake in traveling to the United States and having only been down one goal, they could have snuck out a result if they've got their best lineup and they did not. And they did not sneak out a result and they are done. So Canada moves on uh, as I would say expected. Um, so our final matchup, uh, we've got the Group C winner, Curacao, uh, versus the Group D winner, Panama. Uh, Panama advances 2-1 on aggregate, uh, winning the first match in Panama City 2-1, and then earning a 0-0 draw in Williamstead, Curacao. Thoughts on Panama getting through? I mean... Again, breaking my heart with with the the team island qualifiers I, that just that didn't work out for anybody. Um, but I think this was definitely the most uh, contested match. You know, Curacao getting getting that late, uh, you know, a road goal going going back home. Um, but I think the big thing is the field conditions for that first leg um, were appalling at best. Um, that field was just just in awful awful conditions. But um, again, just. And no, that's just what happens in Concacaf. You got to be able to play. You got to be able to play on those on, on on fields like that. Yeah, I mean, like that field was a lake three hours before the game. Yeah, and... it was Lake Rod Carew. <laughs> yeah, Lake Rod Carew <laughs> for real. I mean, like they were able to get it somewhat playable, but it clearly made an impact on the game. Uh, the first half was not good. Uh, Panama was able to get two goals. Um, through like the middle of the second half and cursed. I was able to steal one back at the end and actually had some chances to tie it up. Uh, and then going to the return leg in Curacao, man, Curacao had so many chances at the end. I was, it was so agonizing because agonizing one goal would have right. changed. It would have changed at one goal would have changed the whole course of that, of that tie. And let me tell you the first half of that first leg, was probably the only bit of this entire World Cup qualifying campaign so far for any team that was unwatchable. But they figured out a way. It made the second half very entertaining. But that game was so agonizing, especially if you wanted Curacao to go through, because they kept getting so many chances. They just couldn't find a way to put a, a ball into the back of the net, and it would change the entire scope of everything and just really put put the pressure on Panama, who, again, Panama, as we know, made the World Cup last time for the first time ever. They want to get back to the World Cup. They had to start in the first round of qualifying this time around, and the pressure was has been on them every single round, and somehow they've able to been emerged through it. So hats off to Panama, but Curacao, oh my goodness, like just one. We just needed yeah. one. Well, yeah, like, that pa- mean- I was going to say, Panama had so many chances to put in the dagger in that second leg 
they had a penalty kick that was saved by Eloy Room. Like, Curacao kept finding ways to survive. And they had a chance, it, I want to say it was like the 86th or 87th minute that went off the crossbar. Like, they, the field was tilted for most of the second half. And Curacao just could not put it in. And one goal would have gotten them through. And it didn't. Jonathan, were you going to say anything? No, I mean, I was just I was just going to say RIP Island qualifiers. Yeah, I mean, going 0 for 3 uh, in that second round for Island qualifiers, very disappointing. The Caribbean uh, Football Union, you disappointed us. I mean, see, we still love you, but, you know, we, we're just... We're just a little upset that we don't get to go to all of your islands. We CFU, only get to get to one. CFU, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> just letting us down. So we'll be talking more about World Cup qualifying as the final round approaches in September. Uh, we've also got a bunch of other stuff coming up. But for all that, before we get to anything else, it's time for real team or fake team. Uh, so we're putting Jonathan on the hot seat today. He is our contestant. Uh, and Donald and I have got some teams from the Bahamas. Uh, Donald, you want to lead us off? We need to get some like, yeah. music here for Real Team or Fake Team. Like a yeah, we'll, we'll, talk to, uh, we'll talk to our, uh, our music producer, uh, Jeffrey Sleep, and see if he can, uh, can put together some, uh, some background music for us to play while uh, we're playing Real Team, Fake Team. It- is there a Caribbean Calypso type of game show music? I don't know. I, I think if anyone could do it, we need to we need to make brother. one. Yeah, I know. I, I when I when he put together the ones, I said, "All right, I want steel drums." And I I just gave him a, a list of a few things, and he said, "All right, got it." And then you know came back with a few things. So we'll uh, I'll just say I want Caribbean game show. <laughs> exactly. Listen, he's got to earn that paycheck. He's getting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, real team or fake team. Donald, why don't you lead us off? Okay, let's start with this one, Jonathan, and that is Freeport Warriors. I'm going to go real team. That is a fake team. Damn it. I'm yeah. totally going to Eric this started. up. <laughs> oh, oh, that, I see how it is. Gonna go. All right. All right. Here we go. United FC. Real team. That is a real team. They're based in Nassau. Uh, yes, their name is United FC. And I've also seen them denoted as United FC Orange. So there might be more United FC. fit in really well in MLS. Yeah. I mean, there might be a blue. There might be a yellow. We never yeah. know. United FC. All right. Now, the next one I have is Baja Juniors. Let's go real team. That is a real team. They are in the same division as United FC Orange Blue, <laughs> whatever that team was. But yes, they are a real team. Okay, so he's two for three. He's doing all right. Up next, we've got I M Bears FC. So like the letter I, letter I, M Bears FC. Let's go, real team. There's a real team. Uh, the insurance management bears FC as um, <laughs> a real team. All right, now uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, let's take a look at my list here. Kalik Cavaliers FC. 
fake team. That is a real fake team. It's very <laughs> fake. I made that up. Made that up. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> all right, all right. So four for five. All right. All right. I got to sell myself for this one. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. All right. All right. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Pub on the mall. Red dogs. I'm gonna go fake team. That is a real team. Your 1995-96 Grand Bahama <laughs> League champions and FA Cup winners. Pub on the mall. Red dogs. Um, Man, I was playing a little game theory here, and I should have just figured out that it was so. How ridiculous. could that be made up? That's so ridiculous. I don't know. I do. I've been, I've been, I've been on the other side of this where I'm trying to put things together, and I, I that was pl- going for a little game theory, and and you know, swung See, and miss. You gotta think in your heart. I do want to note that they have since been renamed to Freeport FC, but Pub on the Mall Red Dogs is a real team. Don Garber mm. got to him, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They they got they got MLS. So <laughs> they got MLS. Yeah. They're they're worried about their world brand, you know. They want to be a worldwide name, you know, like all the other FCs. So, Eric, if Pub on the Mall Red Dog FC is available, I mean, I think we may have the new team name for our Tuesday night team. No, I I want to know. It's not Pub on the Mall Red Dog FC. It's Pub on the Mall Red Dogs. They, they were on not the red world. dogs. All right. Red all dogs. Right. Like Red Bulls, you know, red dogs. Um, gotcha. Hopefully they were sponsored by Red Dog. You know, that yeah. would be, that'd be great. So it's four out of six. Yeah, four out of six. So not bad. Very good. No, one's bad. Above, Very good. no one's gotten above four. Yeah. I mean, that's it, about the going rate. No one's gotten less than four, but Eric. <laughs> mm. Yes. Well, we will see on the next episode. I am, I am going to be ready uh, for whatever challenges you throw my way. <laughs> All right, it's another great game, real team or fake team. Let's move on to the Concacaf Newswire. Uh, obviously, a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, it's been a long time since we've had a podcast where we've talked about this stuff. And since the end of World Cup qualifying, a bunch of stuff has happened. So we're going to bring you the most important news that's been going on. Uh, first off. We talked about Trinidad and Tobago earlier. Uh, there was some fallout from them failing to qualify. Uh, Terry Fenwick and assistants Derek King and Kelvin Jack were fired uh, after their qualifying failure. Um, the FIFA appointed normalization committee of the Trinidad and Tobago Football Association. I should note that FIFA still has like helpers running that FA because everything's such a mess. Um, and there's a lot of mess to go through. So just bear with me. So the normalization committee said, given the financial situation of the TTFA, with threat, which threatens its ability to fund the coaches at the salary levels that were committed, the NC has met with Derek King, Kelvin Jack, and have come to a mutually agreed position. Uh, so they gone. Uh, TNT's all-time cap leader, uh, Angus Eve, has been named the interim manager, uh, but he's only on a contract through August 31st. Um, Eve made 117 appearances for the Soka Warriors from 1994 to 2005. He's recently the head coach of Naparima College. Um, So Eve is going to be leading them through the summer. Uh, Back in February, he actually criticized Terry Fenwick publicly. 
his tactics and his team selection after the joint national record seven nil loss away to the United States in a friendly. Um, so there was public spats uh, between the current, the new coach and the departed coach. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago faced Montserrat on July 2nd in Miami in the Gold Cup qualifiers. Um, they will have to beat Montserrat and another team to advance to the Gold Cup this summer. Now, sticking in Trinidad and Tobago, we're about to turn the CONCACAF meter way up. Uh, so the normalization <laughs> committee inve- was investigating a row, you know, like a row, like a spat, a dispute, a fight. A row. A row. It's a row. I don't. A ruckus. I, a ruckus. Yes. Uh, between assistant coach, former assistant coach Kelvin Jack, and Gary Griffith the third, uh, one of the players before the World Cup qualifier against the Bahamas. Uh, this is from Wired eight sixty eight in Trinidad. Uh, the FIFA appointed normalization committee has requested a report into a row between Trinidad and Tobago men's national senior team assistant coach Kelvin Jack and 18-year-old player Gary Griffith III, which occurred just hours before their World Cup qualifying outing against the Bahamas, which they lost. When they, they didn't lose, they drew. Uh, <laughs> uh, Griffith III was one of four uncapped players selected in the 28-man squad by national senior men's football team coach Terry Fenwick. Now, Gary Griffith III is the son of Trinidad and Tobago Commissioner of Police Gary Griffith. So he's got a dad in very high power. Uh, Griffith III, what started this fight, he stormed out of a team-building exercise and was quote-unquote disrespectful because he was not selected to play in the Bahamas clash. He'd already been notified that he was going to play. Uh a video came out Griffith recorded of Kelvin Jack yelling at him saying, quote, I don't care who you go and tell because your father doesn't have more influence than me in TNT football. Griffith later said that the team was not even in a team building session, but the players were singing karaoke. But Griffith the third had gone to his room and was sulking over not getting put into the team for this game. Now, after this, there was a lot of talk about why was Griffith even included in the team to begin with. And it turns out there's a WhatsApp conversation group that his dad, the commissioner of police, who has no role in the federation, with the entire coaching staff. So they were talking about stuff, like, consistently. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago Newsday said, quote, you had this quote from uh, Gary Griffith, the commissioner of police, people who want to continue to criticize my son. I challenge any of you all seeing that you figure he can't play football. Let's have a small goal tournament him against you. I'll give you four goal head start to five. If you win, I'll eat my police cap. He said, so all this came out after this debacle where they drew the Bahamas and there's this kid who no one, he had never been capped before, and he's included in the team, but he doesn't get to play. Uh, Warrior 868 had this expose about it. All the details that they got about this was leaked by Gary Griffith himself to the outlet. <laughs> so all of this was coming from inside the room. It wasn't even like some expose, like 
getting anonymous sources and things like that. Like, it's a mess. So this Gary Griffith III also was later included on the provisional roster for the Gold Cup. He has not been named to that roster as of yet, but his dad probably isn't happy about that. I, Does that I just, sound I, like the most CONCACAF thing? Yeah, I, I, I saw the things you, you put out there, and you, you sent some articles beforehand, and I just like, could not believe what I was reading. Uh, I mean, I think if he does make the Gold Cup roster, um, I'm trying to think if, if, the, if the U.S. plays them some kind of way of police hats on the field or <laughs> edible police, like, I don't know banners with with someone eating a police hat i don't know i, I i'm just i'm spitballing here listen uh, we, we can't just, have any a, cop stuff going on here like there's an there's enough cop yeah <laughs> we'll, I guess, let's I guess, leave that stuff to the side yeah that that, that is very very true can, it, can we just talk about how can we just talk about how he tried to muscle up he was like yo who who wants what with my son who wants what with me <laughs> like yo Chill out, Dad. Like, come on, man. Like, you got to calm down. <laughs> challenge my son to a soccer game. I yeah, challenge... he's like, yeah, you but his son was like, wait, Dad, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't put me in no, don't put me in no crap. Like, yeah, that's not me. So, Wired868 had, like, a three-part, like, expose about how they got the story, what they know about the story, tips from anonymous sources. It is wild. Um... And yeah, I just, I'm just, we, I was late to our recording session here because I was trying to read through all of this again to make sure I had the story like somewhat straight. I'm sure I still messed up some of the details, but I encourage you to Google it. Gary Griffith, Commissioner of Police, Trinidad and Tobago, Kelvin Jack. There's videos. There's a lot of drama. Everything you want in CONCACAF. Uh, so that's what's going on in Trinidad. Uh, Jonathan, what's going on in Mexico? So we talked about this on the, on our bonus episode about, you know, what happened during the U S Mexico game, um, and, and the chance that that did take place. Um, so FIFA came out and I'm just going to actually just read, um, the statement, um, the FIFA disciplinary committee has sanctioned the Mexican Federation with a fine of 60,000 Swiss francs and the condition that they play their next two official home games behind closed doors as a consequence of the anti-gay chants heard in the matches against the Dominican Republic and the United States played in Guadalajara on March 18th and March 24th, respectively. Uh, the FIFA statement said, um, and then it said additionally, the committee has opened a secondary disciplinary roster in relation to the anti-gay chants heard from Mexican fans in a friendly played against Iceland in Arlington, Texas on May 29th. So, I mean, these instances, I mean, it came out um, not even for what happened during the the game in CONCACAF Nations League, but previous games uh, that took place. So, uh, I mean, it's good to see that FIFA actually doing some things. However, um, it's going to be a, a situation of does this actually, is this actually a deterrent? I, I think it could be, um, but it's, you know, you know, it remains to be seen. Well, Am I correct? Didn't the last time Mexico get in trouble, didn't they appeal that and it get overturned? Yeah, they appealed it to CAS, a court for arbitration of sport, and they, you know, they appealed that and they overturned it. I, it'll be interesting to see if they, they do that again. Um, but I, I think that maybe as this is now being seen as a continuation that they actually, you know, 
take action and it doesn't get overturned. Yeah, and I think FIFA sensed that ruling because back then they didn't really have regulations in place. Now they do. So, uh, and, and even CONCACAF does with their, you know, one-step, two-step, three-step process uh, of which we saw twice during Nations League. So it's interesting that that second inquiry doesn't include Nations League. It only includes the friendly. And, and like I said on the last show, you know, if you just have just like they had the friendly against Honduras and Atlanta, where they said, if it happens one time, the game is over one time, be done with it. Like, you know, not this four step process where, you know, you have three, three slaps on the wrist before they do anything real. If they do it once, shut it down. And during World Cup qualifying, I hope this continues where if they do it, it takes players off the field, call it a forfeit for Mexico, take points away, whatever you got to do to make it where it sticks and make this happen. But I'll say this, you know, everyone's got to check everybody, right? Like Mex- Mexico's got to check their fans. United States, we got to check our fans too. We can continue being, you know, not, you know, making sure we're, we're still in our glass house and that it's intact uh, and making sure we do that. You know, other fans that have adopted this chant that we've seen at previous tournaments around the world, they need to check their people too. Everyone check each other and, and check, you know, check your own people, check each other. Make sure that this doesn't happen again because we can't have this in the game at all. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing to me is Mexico is getting sanctioned for their supporters doing chants. None of those games were in Mexico, which just shows you the pervasiveness of this problem. Well, uh, Olympic qualifying was what what they what oh, they were charged with was Olympic, Olympic qualifying, qualifying was included. Yeah, so that was it, it, it's two matches in Guadalajara is what they're charged for. It's actually mm-hmm. the the key takeaway from this is it actually doesn't have anything to do with the Nations League instances. It only has just come out after the fact. That's interesting. So I'm wondering if there might be any potential additional sanctions for, because I assume this was already in progress by the time Nations yeah. League happened. The only thing that we we got was that no announcement had been made other further investigations um, from the instances that took place uh, in Denver during CONCACAF Nations League. So could be several, could continue. Um, and it said, you know, the Victor Mutagliani said this campaign is important and is a very important step in our efforts to eradicate the goalkeeper chant and to make it absolutely clear that we oppose all forms of discrimination in football. And, and it'll be interesting to see what punishment they do on top of this, right? Like, of course, the first step is play behind closed doors, which they're doing for two matches. But if we keep doing this and they keep just giving, you know, closed door bans, Point we're running into a game that... Right to a game in March that is going to be very important that, you know, all three of us want to go to a ton of American fans want to go to that could happen for potentially the final time, you know, where it means something for a very long time, if not for the rest of our lives, because the way that World Cup qualifying is changing, Mexico hosting the United States at Azteca may not happen many times going forward for a trip to the World Cup on the line. So, they can't have this done because, of course, we we have an interest in that game, too. And closed door means no fans. It doesn't mean just away fans can show up. So this is something to keep keep a hold of and see what punishments will be levied on top of the two closed door uh, match bans for Mexico. Yeah, I think I can speak for the group of us saying that we are sick of this shit and we want the chant to go away as much as the punishments like give us some joy uh, because 
we obviously do not want to see that federation succeed. Um, we also want to stop talking about this because it's incredibly dumb that it's continuing to happen. Uh, so hopefully, Mexican fans, you learn your lesson and you stop punishing your team uh, for this stupid, stupid nonsense. All right, moving on. Uh, Donald, looks like we have another firing to talk about. Both firing. Yeah, we do. And it is with uh, the Dominican Republic. Uh, their head coach, uh, Jacques Passy, ended up departing. It, it was a mutual consent, according to his statement. I'll read a little bit yeah. from it. Uh, yeah. he, he says that during the 11 months I had the privilege of coaching the Dominican Republic national team, we were able to finish two out of five in our World Cup qualifying group, which we just discussed. And we were able to draw versus Serbia. The first time a CONCACAF team ranked below 150 gets points out of a top 30 team. But most importantly, we were able to convince young players with huge potential to play for the Dominican Republic. Obviously, we would like to, we, have, we would have liked to achieve more, but every process needs time and inertia. I am positive this amazing group of players will provide great success for the DR national team. So uh, definitely something where it seems like both, uh, both sides decided it wasn't necessarily, hey, this guy did terrible. He needs to go. It was more of a, hey, this phase of this project is done. And now it's time to part ways. Passy will probably be, you know, well coveted by uh, some other CONCACAF nations. It'll be interested to see if he goes back into club, which is what he was doing before, or if he continues to stay in the CONCACAF region, particularly our beloved Caribbean Football Union, and pick up a national team uh, coaching job amongst them to kind of get that program going again. So uh, I would say for him, it was very successful what they were doing in this time. They may not have achieved everything, but he definitely had some wins, uh, not just on the, not just in the score column, but definitely uh, the way the progress of the, the way that the Dominican Republic is process is progressing uh, has been uh, really, really enjoyable to see. And, you know, of course we'll see how they continue without him going forward. Yeah. Passy, of course, uh, he was the former manager of the St. Kitts and Nevis national team. Uh, now, leaving his post with Dominican Republic. Uh, most notably, he is also now a follower of us on Twitter. Uh, so he is a fan of the pod. Shout so, out. Shout out, Shout Jacques. out, Jacques. If you're listening, we'd love to have you on sometime. Sacre Yeah. So that wraps up our Newswire. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff we didn't get to. Uh, if anything comes up, we'll get to a next episode. Uh, what's next in CONCACAF? Uh, we've got the Olympics coming up real quick. Uh, Mexico and Honduras on the men's side, the U.S. and Canada on the women's side. All those games going to be really early in the morning over here. Uh, I don't know how much coverage we're going to get to that because I don't know how many of those games I'm going to be able to get up and see. Um, I, I'm I'm a glutton for punishment, so I'm going to be <laughs> up watching all of them. Uh, the good thing is, you know, for those who were around a couple years ago, uh, not this podcast, but people who remember the Women's World Cup in 2019 and the Men's Gold Cup, we're going on at the exact same time. And literally every single time the women played, the men played as well. So when I was in France, it was the women's game was early evening. And then late, late in the middle of the night or early in the morning was the men's game uh, and the Gold Cup. So literally every single match day was a double match day. This time around, at least for United States fans, we don't have that issue. All of our games are on different days, different nights. So you know, we can pick and choose when we need to get our sleep. Yeah, sleep schedule's not going to be consistent 
for this. But as you nope. mentioned, Gold Cup coming up. Uh, qualification for that starts July 2nd down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, this is the first time they're doing – they got a new format, uh, getting some more CONCACAF teams some games and giving them an opportunity to play their way in to the Gold Cup. Uh, so we've got two rounds of qualifiers running from July 2nd to July 6th. Pretty much all of that's happening at uh, Drive Pink Stadium. Is that how you say it? DRV. Drive Pink. Pink. Okay. Yep. Drive Pink. Yep. It's at the Inner Miami Stadium in uh, Fort Lauderdale, um, former site of the famous Lockhart Stadium. Um, so that precedes the Gold Cup, which will be kicking off uh, all over the United States on July 10th, leading up to the final in fabulous Las Vegas on August 1st. We'll be having a Gold Cup preview episode coming up. Uh, we don't intend on having this much of a gap between regular episodes ever again. Uh, but, you know, things happen. Um, happy we were able to get that bonus episode out for you uh, to really give the CONCAF Nations League the respect it deserves. Um, that about wraps us up for this episode. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at podcacaf on instagram at podcacaf facebook at facebook.com slash podcacaf yeah donald where are you uh, where are you at on twitter at blazing dw that's twitter and instagram if you follow me on facebook find me on facebook if you're my friend but follow me on twitter or instagram yeah you can find me uh on twitter at jslape ssp um you'll have to search for my instagram Ooh, mystery. You know, some people don't want their Instagram seen. Like, obviously, I'm trying to just put the focus on the podcast. So, you know, I'm just those are the real sure. ones to follow. Yeah. The real ones. I try to give you the latest news in kit releases and crazy shit going on all over CONCACAF. Uh, if you're still listening, thanks for listening. Appreciate your patronage. Make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Get those ratings up. Tell all your friends, share it around. Um, make sure you follow Donald's other project, uh, Stars and Stripes FC. Make sure you follow Jonathan's other project, uh, Speedway Soccer, focusing on Nashville SC. And we'll be back again in the future. Thank you and happy conca calfing.